The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. What is cracking, everybody? Welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. Today, we've got an epic interview from Kat Melheim. Kat is a barista. She's a roaster. She's just an all-around coffee professional. And recently, she's been taking to creating, curating, publishing, going A to Z on a zine. It's called the Coffee People Zine. You can find it at coffeepeople.org, not coffeepeople.com, not .com. .com will take you to weird places, coffeepeople.org. I met Kat at the SCA Expo weekend. We had a little chat at the La Marzocco Cafe, and it was just... I don't know, she kind of melted my mind open. One, I thought it was awesome that someone wanted to take the time and make something that's a physical product when it's so easy to just throw things online. And her inspirations for wanting to pull art, pull stories, and pull all these things from different people, it just really speaks to me in a special way. So I knew I had to get her on the podcast. And here she is. I'll let you get right into it. This is Kat Melheim, Coffee People Zine. Whoop! Yay! I feel like uh, I feel like we're doing the right the right stuff. Woohoo! That's it, great. It's hard to tell because I'm in this like weird room right now. <laughs> Me too. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like I'm at. Where yeah. are you? Ah, uh, this is the hard part about talking to someone that's not there. I'm so <laughs> bad at it. I'm in the room where our roastery used to be. Nice. Which is now like this empty, strange room that's split into, and I'm staring into the cafe like people can see mm-hmm. me but i'm just sitting here with um <laughs> basically a bunch of cambros and weird stuff it's pretty cool nice yeah nice how about you um i'm actually in uh iowa right now what um uh, mm-hmm. i there's like a painting class in iowa that i'm taking um and so i found the quietest room that i could find which is also like in a corner with a window facing out over like the cafeteria. So I'm like sitting behind a glass window. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm supposed to be in here. So if like halfway through our interview, somebody comes in and tells me I have to leave, like just, we might be prepared for that. That's um. fine. I'm, I, can, I can deal with that. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Can I ask you about the painting class? Is it like, sure. Is it part of, like a college thing or is it just an independent thing or an organization? Yeah. So it's at, it's right now it's at a college. Um, it's, so I do this kind of painting called rose mauling. Um, it's like a Norwegian folk art, um, that I've, I've been doing for like four years or so. And this is like the first year that they're having like a big group of people come together and paint together. Um, and it's like, I am, I'm the youngest person probably by at least 20 years because uh, it's mostly older Midwestern ladies who paint in church basements and Whoa. stuff. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's like it's some lega- legacy shit where yeah, totally. you're, you're the young buck. Dude, that's freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm super down with that. I think what we might do with you is I might just do a role aside from this, giving you an mm-hmm. intro. So yeah. we, we can just start talking about whatever and however and everything everything you want. So to get it cracking, I just want to say, so you're a barista. You're also mm-hmm. a coffee roaster. And you run coffeepeople.org and make a zine, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot of different stuff. But how did you get your start in coffee? What's your coffee like superhero origin story? 
Yeah, well, um, I so it's actually kind of a roundabout uh, roundabout story. I started in coffee about five years ago. Um, my background is actually like my formal education is in social work. So I was working in uh, homeless shelters and uh, like treatment facilities for folks with um, different um, emotional behavioral disorders. Um, and I did that all through college and then after college. And it got to a point where I was like getting really burnt out. Um, and I was, I, I basically realized that I wasn't helping anybody cause I was so burnt out myself. Um, so I figured, okay, I need to take a break. I need like, I need a non-emotional job. That's going to like, at least pay me enough money to like pay my rent. Um, like s something where I can, you know, help people, but they're happy about it. Like, um, so I, I, there was actually like a, a coffee shop here in Denver that's, uh, that serves paleo food. And I was paleo, uh, pretty strictly at the time. And so they were hiring. So I just was like, Hey, I, you know, I need a job for a while. Um, I kind of figured I would take a year away from social work, um, just to kind of like get, get myself back to it, like in a more emotionally, uh, and, mentally stable spot. Um, but yeah, so I figured I would do, I would take a, take some time off and then go back, get my master's degree in social work. But I started at this cafe, uh, and just absolutely fell in love with coffee and the coffee community and coffee as a beverage, coffee as a global, um, you know, a global trade. Uh, and I've been in coffee ever since. So I started just as a barista in, at this place that was, kind of more like along the second wave stuff, like, um, a lot of milk drinks. It was, it, the food was paleo, but the, um, the coffee was primarily like lattes and things like that. Um, and then I moved on to another coffee shop, um, in the same, uh, in the same location or same area of Denver, um, after a little while and was doing some kind of similar, they have a lot more like of, sugary drinks and, uh, like alcohol, coffee combinations. Um, but also like around that time, Amethyst Coffee Company opened up, uh, in Denver by my now good friend, L, uh, L Jensen. Right. And, um, she is just like the coolest person. Um, and yeah, she opened up Amethyst kind of when I was like really stoked on coffee um, and in the coffee shops that I was working in, we didn't really talk a lot about single origin. We didn't talk about tasting notes, flavor profiles, things like that. Um, but Amethyst was talking about that stuff. And it was a place for me to like really get a true, like as a customer, get, a an engaging education about coffee and to see what else there was out there. Um, so I actually, I credit, I credit Amethyst for, um, for a lot of the reason that I'm still in coffee, because it was just a place that you could get coffees that didn't taste like, you know, just espresso and 16 ounces of milk. Um, so yeah. And I, I, I work at Amethyst, um, every once in a while, I'm kind of just like their cleanup. Like if, if some, if a couple of people are out of town, um, I'll pick up a shift here or there. Um, so yeah, I work there every once in a while. Um, but then I started roasting about a year and a half ago, uh, when I got my current job at Logan house coffee company in Denver. And, uh, I started there again as a barista and they had, they had been roasting and doing kind of wholesale for a couple of years previous to that. Uh, and they opened this cafe and my boss was basically like, Hey, who wants to start? you know, learning how to roast. Cause I'm not going to have a bunch of time to do this now that we have a cafe open. And I was just like, Ooh, Ooh, pick me, pick me. Um, so I basically just like threw myself in the, like in front of the roaster and, um, gradually started doing production roasting. And then, um, as my boss had more cafe, um, responsibilities to take care of, I just kind of took over more and more of the roasting operations. And now, um, in September, we got a 
Loring Falcon 15K. Ooh, um, I know she, she's so pretty. That's so bad. Um, yeah. Uh, and so then since then, I've really just taken over, like I do all of the profile roasting and all the production roasting. I'm really the only person who uh, touches the touches the roaster. Um, so yeah, and then I just do bar shifts there at Logan House um, when we need to cover if people are out of t- town or whatever. So yeah, I guess that's a long a long answer to a short question, but that's great. You that's went my all in. Stories. I love it. When yeah. you first transitioned out of doing social work and into the first cafe job, the the paleo place, what was your relationship mm-hmm. with coffee? Were you like a customer there or did you drink coffee? What was your coffee situation? Yeah. So I guess um, I was thinking about this the other day. The first time I can remember really like brewing coffee was at a homeless shelter that I worked at and they had like this industrial sized like coffee brewer. It brewed like 15 gallons at a time it was just good nuts. lord yeah and like i remember I, yeah i I've, i have repressed this memory i think now because i'm like now as a as a coffee professional i'm like oh god what were we doing but like we would get donations from like starbucks and also other like you know local roasters and whatever and we would literally just like open pound after pound and dump all of this junk together like 12 pounds at a time because was it all donation stuff or yeah yeah yeah, it was um amazing yeah so like we we would be we would be throwing in like dunkin donuts like french uh, french vanilla with starbucks pumpkin spice with just like folgers random junk like it was i i feel so bad like now looking back i'm like we were serving the worst possible coffee um but so that was like my first uh, my first relationship with coffee, brew, like really brewing it. Aside from you know, just like I think have, you know having it at my my parents' house. Um, but yeah, and then I in college and post college, I I drank coffee. I really liked hanging out at coffee shops, doing homework and reading books and things like that. But I didn't really ever think about coffee as more than just a caffeinated beverage. Um, and a thing that you put sugar and milk into to make it taste real good. What do you think it was about the cafe atmosphere or working in coffee that kept you from going back to social work in the earlier days? Because like you said, before you were mm. an amethyst, you didn't really have any exposure to, I don't know what we call third wave or modern right. new specialty. What kept mm-hmm. you psyched on that stuff? That's a really good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things was the community that is created. Um, you know, when you, when you give someone a coffee nearly every morning, day, like day after day after day, um, we had a really, really great community of customers there. And I just really like to get to know them, get to hear their backstory, develop a relationship with them over time. Um, and that was something that, you know, getting into social work, I was really interested in was creating uh, lasting and impactful human relationships. Um, but then in in the cafe, I could give someone a coffee and they would smile and say thank you and be grateful to me. Whereas a lot of times in, um, in the social work field where I was working, um, the, there wasn't that instant gratification almost now I'm going to just sound like a selfish asshole, (laughs) but like there, there wasn't, there wasn't that, uh, there wasn't that automatic, like gratitude and like relationship built. Um, it took, I mean, not to say that I didn't create really great relationships when I was working in, in social work. Um, it was just a lot, it was a lot easier to hand someone a coffee um, and a lot less emotionally taxing uh, than like sitting down with them and hearing their whole life story and um, getting super sad and pissed off about all the ways that the world had treated people poorly. Um, I think that was for me, like in social work, that's really what, what turned me off of social work is uh, I was working with um, homeless youth and at towards the end. Um, 
And it was like, I wasn't getting pissed off at the kids themselves. I was just getting, I was losing faith in the world because the people who had like their parents, their grandparents, their, the, um, like the childcare systems weren't taking care of them and weren't serving these kids well. And everyone was overworked and underpaid. And I was, yeah, I was just losing, losing faith in, in the world of how can people treat children so poorly? Um, so I can't even imagine my mom worked as a nurse for many years and right the 20 years before she retired, she worked in public health Mm. and it was, I don't know, some of the stories that I heard, it just seemed like the most intense emotional roller coaster on the daily. And she she would do house calls in the beginning and bear witness to some of the most gnarly stuff that I can't even talk about or, you know, don't, don't care to visualize. And Mm -hmm. I could never understand or wrap my head around how she could just come home and go to sleep and feel good about it. Cause I would be just so furious about. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, Totally. I have such like admiration for people who can do that. And because, because I couldn't, like, I, I couldn't do that sustainably and be a like healthy person who could contribute to society. So yeah, good props to your mom Dude. and everyone out there who's, who's doing that stuff. Go mom. Good for you. You're doing yeah. it. Yay. Was there a point at time where you felt there was this switch from cool. I work in cafes and it's a fun, casual social atmosphere. I get to interact with people, make people smile to, Hmm, maybe I'm going to end up doing this for what I might call a career. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it was kind of a slow turn for me. It wasn't like a, like a light bulb moment and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm going to, I can do this forever. Um, I think it was more like, I was working in cafes and I really loved it. And I loved the relationships I was building. Um, and I was making enough money to live sustainably. I mean, I, I live pretty cheaply. I don't own a car. Um, and I have lived in a, a series of, um, a series of p- places that are very cheap, probably, uh, probably too cheap for, <laughs> I've had, I've had, I've had some strange living situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I live pretty cheaply and so I don't need a lot of money to like sustain myself. Um, so for me, it was, it's, I've never like not been able to make enough money working a cafe job. Um, so I just kept doing it cause I kept loving it and, um, worked in a couple of cafes that didn't have roasteries. And then kind of, I started working for Logan house cause I knew that I wanted to get into roasting, um, and they were, they were the roastery hiring at the time. Um, so I kind of, I don't know, in the back of my mind thought like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. And if, uh, if it doesn't work, if it, if I don't like roasting, uh, then I'm, you know, no, no harm, no foul. I'll just like bounce out and go on to, uh, like probably go back to social work. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like a slow, just, I kept, kept doing it because I kept loving it and then started roasting and now I'm like oh yeah this is my career now this is what I'm doing and this is what I probably will be doing for a long long time I think eight out of ten people who end up in coffee just kind of fall into it on accident yeah totally that was definitely the case with me and I was like oh I kind of I really like this I don't know this is oddly satisfying Mm-hmm. Did you miss when you started roasting? Did you miss some of the social interaction that comes with being on bar every day, or was it just a different brain activation? Oh, for sure. No, I I definitely missed um, missed being on bar, and I do like currently I'm doing about one to two bar shifts a week, um, and I think I've kind of made the request that I'd like to keep doing at least one bar shift every other week, um, just to like keep engaged with my customers, but also keep engaged with the baristas. Cause I don't want to be, you know, just off our, our, uh, roastery is in a separate location than our shop. Um, so I don't want to be just like this, you know, person that people talk about like, Oh yeah, cat in the roastery, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I want to like, I want to know our baristas and be engaged with them and so that they can be engaged with the coffees and so that we can translate that knowledge to the customers as well. Um, so yeah, I, 
I do miss it, but I also like I do very I'm an introvert at heart, so I do very well at the roastery by myself three days a week. Um, so it's actually it's a really perfect split for me right now, being that, able to be in the the roastery and then on bar a little bit. That's so awesome. And that attitude of showing up in a cafe and keeping relationships with the people that work in there is so huge. And that was I see it more and more now, but it was something that was definitely missing from my coffee career for the first several years is there was a complete almost just separation of entities to where it's like you don't ask about the roasted coffee you just get it and deal with it and have a great yeah. time and I, yeah it's so it's yeah it never really sat well with me but it's yeah well it's so sad because then like what you're doing in the roastery like how can you translate that like to your customers if the baristas aren't also invested in it, like if, if the baristas don't have a hand in that and they don't have a connection to you and how you're roasting the beans, then like, then the customer will not get the best product. It's such a good point because even though you're in the roastery in the room all by yourself, you're still in a service job. And at the end of the day, your goal is to make those, you know, make the coffee awesome so that the people that are drinking it are going to have a great time drinking it. And yeah, just connecting totally. that well, whole and situation. I, yeah, and I've had like I've had um, if I'm not in the in the uh, like behind bar a lot, like I don't have the same equipment in the roastery that they're brewing at the cafe. So like some like I've had a couple of times like my baristas will text me and be like, "Hey, the espresso is tasting a little off today. Like, you know what?" Is, is did something change or whatever and I'll like look back at my roast log and lo and behold like that espresso like we used a new bag of Brazil or something so like I can like trace back but if, if I didn't have my baristas like engaged on that then they wouldn't be like they couldn't tell me what was going wrong like what I was doing wrong or what was off at the roastery feedback loop so important totally everybody get yeah, feedback sure. loop it's so real. Do it. Yeah. So you are roasting coffee, work a bar a couple of days a week, and you also run this zine and are participating really heavily in the coffee community. Was there a yeah. point in time of like a point in time in your journey to where you felt like you were um, part of this larger community or more than just an individual with a coffee job or I want to explore going to SCA or seeing a barista competition or those weird things yeah. that we do? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first time that I went to a throwdown, um, I was invited by Elle, and um, it was it was like right after Amethyst had opened, and it was at this other new place that had just opened, and I had no idea what was going on. I like went, and there were all of these people standing around, and there was a triangulation also. Like it, the first round was triangulation, and then it was like a throwdown after that, and I. I had never done triangulation. I had never really like tasted coffees. Like at, at that point I was still like in the, like very heavily in the latte like world. Um, or like, you know, coffee is lattes. Um, <laughs> and so I like saw all these people standing around, like sipping from these three cups of coffee. And I was like, what is this thing? It's so weird. And like the, the Denver coffee scene is like very, very welcoming, uh, and just like super, super friendly. And so I saw a couple of people that I knew from other shops. Um, and it just kind of like was super intriguing for me. Cause I was like, what are all these coffee things? And also everybody seems to know each other and they're all like friends with each other. And this seems so nice. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of like that, that drew me in a little bit. Um, and then just like, yeah, continued to go to throwdowns and coffee events and hanging out at Amethyst as much as I could. Um, and yeah, I, a couple years, well, when was it? It was, I think last year I, well, oh, so then cherry roast started. Um, have you heard of cherry roast? Cherry roast? I don't know. No, tell me about it. Oh, it is the um, all 
female slash non-binary slash femme identified uh, competition that we have in Denver every year. Um, and this started three, there have been three of them. Um, and Elle again started this cherry roast um, in Amethyst. And it, it's since the last two years, it's been at Commonwealth Coffee Roasters up in Denver. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's basically it was just like a competition, but not a latte art throwdown to encourage women and like folks of gender identities who are not in the majority at competition. Um, basically, it's just like to get up there, to do it, to try it, um, to get involved. So I did that my first, uh, the first year that it went on, and the goddess Breezy Sanchez won. Um, I got second place, which I was like, I had, I was like, I didn't know that I could do coffee like that, I guess. Um, <laughs> you were pleasantly like, surprised it, with your skill level? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sick. I was, I was, yeah, I went in being like, oh God, I'm going to get out in the first round because there are all these super badass coffee babes who are going to just like kill it. And then I ended up getting to the final round and getting second. I was like, oh, God, weird. Is it um, a roasting competition? I'm trying to figure out the no. format. Yeah, so it's um, it's like the first round. I think it's been different a little bit each year. But there's a there's a triangulation. There's a um, like a, a brew method. So you have to like pick a coffee and then brew it. So it's, it's like multi-round. Um, kind of like a bracketed system, but not really. I'm not describing this well at all. Um, You're doing great. They're like, great. <laughs> so there are five rounds, and uh, the first round is triangulation, and then the top like half people move on. Um, it like whoever got the most of the triangulations correct, um, and in the fastest time. And then there's another round that is brew method. So you can pick like a V60 or a Kalita wave and you have to basically like blind pick a coffee and then present it to judges. Um, and like ha you have no preparation time, but you have like 10 minutes to, to brew this coffee and serve it to the judges and call out tasting notes. And like, it's super fun and super I don't want to say high pressure because like everybody's chill about it, but um, it's just really fun. Uh, and then there's one round that's like drink order. So you have like, they don't tell you the order beforehand, but during like they give you the list, you have to make a cortado, a latte, a cappuccino and an espresso like as fast as you can with, and you get judged on the uh, like contrast and symmetry of your latte art and whatever. Um, and now I'm forgetting another, I think we did another triangulation round. And then the last round is signature beverage. So the top three people are in the last round and they like reveal four or five mystery ingredients that then you have to, you have, I think it was 13 or 15 minutes. You have to create a signature beverage with those mystery ingredients and present it to the judges again. That's kind of so, cool. So basically every yeah. time you advance to a new round, the discipline mm -hmm. changes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, and it's like, that's so, cool. so it's, yeah, that's a very good way of describing it. Thank you. Thank well, you. Um, so yeah. And so I did that the first year, um, that it happened, which was three years ago, uh, and have just kind of continued to do that, um, each year. And I think so like looking back, really, that's one of the things that really hooked me was like, look at all of these crazy things that we get together and do, but it's so much fun and everybody's supporting each other. And like, this is the place for me. That's awesome. Is this Sorry. scene like pretty yeah. sizable over there? Like I'm trying to vision, I don't know, cause you're in an actual city. We're in kind of a small town, yeah. so we're tiny. <laughs> so I'm trying to picture an event and how, yeah. how many people yeah. are participating. It's so I think that the last couple of years there've been 26 or so, like give or take, uh, five on either side. I don't know. Uh, like there, there've been like 20 to 30 competitors each year, I believe. Um, and then, but like 
yeah, we, we pack, we pack a place. Um, there are a lot of people who come out and support that. Um, and every time there are a good number of throwdowns every, every year, uh, in Denver and they're all pretty full. Um, there's a good scene. And then we also have, uh, like a good amount of people from Fort Collins up North that come down and a good amount of people from Colorado Springs down South that come up. Um, so yeah, the Denver scene is really, really great and like super, super collaborative and cooperative and encouraging. Like it's, I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we have a really unique situation where everybody like likes each other and wants each other to do well. It's not like cutthroat at all. It's all, it's all everyone loving each other. That sounds like how it should be. I don't, you know, yeah. you're setting the example as it turns out for everybody else. Listen yeah, up, Denver. everybody. Get it together. Dude. Go Denver. Forget about yeah. it. Totally. Come out to Denver and check us out. We do it up. I want to come out to Denver. I actually had yeah. a vacation open up. This is a total sidebar, but we were planning on going to this trip to Austin and then it got canceled, but my mind is mentally prepared to go somewhere. So I've been looking at states in the u.s where i haven't been yet and where can i go and have a weird <gasps> new experience denver denver come denver? on over what yeah i don't know it's next month sometime it's i have no idea what's happening well heck it's, if if you do find if you do find that you are going to come to denver let me know and i can uh i mean i'm sure that everybody would be happy to have you i will absolutely let you know and i would absolutely love to hang out with everybody yeah. So you're okay. you're going to throwdowns. You're getting mm -hmm. you're getting second place at this awesome competition, which is a it magical a surprise. <laughs> Come on, yeah. no way. Yeah. So by this time, it feels like you're just you're kind of part of the scene that's happening. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I I think that's totally how it is. Like I feel like I my discovery of coffee and interest in being involved in the coffee community kind of evolved at the same time as like the Denver scene really started to solidify and take off. Um, I mean, and I don't know, I, I don't know if that's just because that's my perception because I was getting interested in it then. So it seems like that's when the scene was coming up, but from what I've heard of other people, like it, it's kind of in the past five or so years, um, and even more in the, in the past three years, Denver coffee has really come to, and, and really Colorado coffee, I have to say, like, I can't exclude Colorado Springs who came out hard at the coffee champs, um, this past year. Uh, so yeah, I, I've just like, I've been in the right place at the right time in the right community. Um, yeah. Such a good feeling when you find what you feel like are your people. Yeah. Such a fun thing. For sure. Yeah. So now you have this zine, which I'm really, uh -huh. really intrigued by, which kind of was as part of the conversation that we had when we talked over Expo Weekend. Yeah. At the La Marzocco Cafe, which was mm -hmm. awesome. And yeah. you're into your second issue, which just released. Yeah, and it just came out on Thursday. And it's got a ridiculously awesome cover of what looks like a <laughs> ice cream cone being doused with a bunch of coffee. Yeah, that, it was super fun. That was a really fun shoot. So, like, uh, basically I had this idea in my head. Like, I want this big ice cream cone with a ton of sprinkles. And I want to pour a bunch of coffee on it. And uh, I reached out to two of my best friends. Actually, uh, my best friends from like junior high and high school who live out in Colorado right now. Um, and one of them is a photographer and the other one, uh, she actually works at Google. Um, he hello, Abby and Blair. Hi guys. Um, but, uh, I was basically like, Hey, do you guys want to go get ice cream with me? And they were like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Whatever. And then I was like, Abby, bring your camera, Blair, paint your nails a pretty color. And they were like, what are you talking about? So and you're like, like sneak attacking them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, just trust me. Just trust me. Um, so, yeah, we went and got ice cream and I like brought some cold brew so I didn't like scald my friend's hand. Good call. Um, and I basically like, yeah, we, we tried to find a white wall and the only one we could find was in this like back alley, like back behind this weird like 
this weird area in Denver because um, that's close to where the ice cream shop was. But I was basically like, okay, Blair, hold this ice cream cone and Abby, get ready to shoot. I'm just going to pour this coffee on this ice cream. And they were like, uh, okay. So uh, we all ended up covered in coffee uh, because it splashed a lot more than I thought it would. Amazing. But, um, yeah, it was super, super fun. What's the whole inspiration behind the zine? Because even though it's, if you pick it up, it's it's like a typical zine, which I kind of miss because skate companies used to make a lot of zines. So it was this nice mm -hmm. little micro magazine. But even something that's that physically small, there's a ton of work that goes into creating something that's like an actual product mm -hmm. and not just mm -hmm. typing on a digital space. What made you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a really good question. This, uh, the inspiration is like goes back to September of last year. Um, so, like I kind of have been, been talking about, I've been part of the Denver coffee community and like have a bunch of friends who are baristas and coffee professionals. Um, and so, my friend Breezy Sanchez, who works at Crema Coffee in Denver, um, she's the coolest, uh, she was having an art show. And like was just inviting people to it and whatever. And I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll, sh I'll stop by. Um, and like I'd, I'd known her. She'd been my barista. Like she'd been my barista for like multiple years. And then through the coffee community, I like got to know her. And she was like I said, she was the one who won the first cherry roast competition. Um, so, yeah. So she invited people to this art opening um, and I was like, yeah, cool. And so I went and like her art is so dope. She's so amazing. But like I came to this art show, you know, just with the idea of like, oh yeah, I'll go see her art, whatever. Um, and it just like blew me away. I was like, oh my God, how did I not know that? Like, I knew you were really cool, but how did I not know that you were this amazing at art? Like, what? why didn't you tell me? And she's the most humble, like kind person you'll ever meet. Um, but that just kind of got me thinking like, you know, so many other coffee professionals are also artists or poets or photographers. Um, and I just started wondering like, okay, if, if I thought I knew, I thought I knew breezy and all of a sudden she's like way cooler than I even thought. Like what other people who work in coffee also have this like, you know, alter, alter hobbies and things like that. Other things that they do that I don't know. I don't know about basically. Um, so yeah, that was the inspiration or like, I guess the seed that planted the inspiration. Um, cause I was like, yeah, everyone needs to see your stuff breezy. And also who else has rad stuff that I also want to see. And also everyone else should see. Um, so yeah, I like started thinking about that and then kind of in January of this year, I don't know, I must've been like bored or something. Um, I just like had this idea of like, okay, what if we just like compiled everybody's stuff into a little book, into a zine and like that, that would serve the purpose of sharing it all. Um, and I brought it, I brought that idea to like a group of of my coffee friends, um, in Denver. And basically I, I was thinking of it like kind of down the line, like, you know, Oh, I have this idea. Maybe I'll work on it later this year. Um, and basically their reaction was like, Oh man, do it, do it right now. That would be so cool. Um, so, so I just did, I <laughs> just called out, uh, like reached out to, a bunch of people I knew in Denver and created some like social media stuff. Um, just asking people to send me their art and articles and poetry and photography and whatever. Um, so that I could put the zine together. And so, yeah, the first one came out in March. Um, and it was super cool. Like I'm just blown away by the depth and variety of creativity that coffee people have like I feel like you know coffee and art are are both done by similar people a lot of the time or the same people um but there's nowhere for for that to be shared so 
yeah, the first one came out in March. The second one came out on um, the 21st of June, which was just last Friday um, or last Thursday. Sorry. And yeah, the second one is twice as big as the first one. Oh, um, really? Yeah. The That's first one's awesome. like, yeah, the first one's like 44 pages and the second one is 80 pages. Wow. So like, yeah, I think people just really liked the opportunity to share the art and creative stuff that they're doing. Um, I think it adds so much like depth and rich to the richness to the industry because you have all these people that we all kind of casually know each other or know of each other, but it would kind Mm -hmm. of be a shame if we just knew each other in the context of cool, you make lattes, I make lattes. And there's this massive people that are just, what do you, we just, like we're not latte machines, you know, we're, right. we're humans that have other things and like other just big wants and dreams and skills and things that we work and work on that we're just as passionate about. And from my perspective, being now a business owner, one of the coolest things about it is when I find out those little nuggets from the people that work with us and our employees mm-hmm. and figure out mm-hmm. what their hobbies are. It's just, I don't know. It's the coolest thing ever. Totally. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to like highlight the multidimensionality of people because yeah, like you do, you go, you go into a shop and, or I was also thinking, you know, you go to a throwdown and at least in Denver, you know, you pretty much know who's going to be in the top three, top five, because it's like the same people because they are really great at latte art. Um, but like, what about the person who got out in the first round who writes really rad poetry or, the person who got out in the second round who was in a band or whatever. Um, and like, yeah, I, I just, I wanted to find a way to, to showcase the other creative stuff. Cause coffee is pretty limited in, you know, in the, in how creative you can be with it. Like you can make signature drinks and you can pour latte art, but like, what about all the other things that people are really great at? Totally. And just because you're not winning a latte art throwdown or not winning a barista competition, that doesn't mean that you're contributing to the culture in a, any less significant way. You know, you're, yeah, you're still a part of the energy that's going on. That's it's uh, awesome. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it's been super fun. It looks like you're having a great time, especially mm-hmm. with ice cream and all that stuff. So I got the first one. I'm going to mm-hmm. get the second one. And then... Mm-hmm. What was the biggest challenge in like putting it out? It sounded like you worked with like a cool team of people and pulled on because you have some stuff that you wrote in there, but most mm-hmm. of it is compiled by other baristas and artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the main idea behind it is that I want it to be like a compilation from other people. Um, I tried to put as little of like my own stuff in there as possible in order to just like leave the space open for other people. Um, but yeah, I put, I put a couple of articles in, um, I did a, um, and each, each issue will have this, but I'm doing like a know your rights section. So each issue is going to have like a two page spread, um, that just kind of educates folks about their rights. Uh, and the first four issues are going to have that about, uh, workplace sexual harassment. So how to like how to spot it, how to address it, how to combat it. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that. And then there's also in both issues, there's like a list of recent shop openings in Denver. Um, so just shops that have opened since the last issue came out. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I was like, people send me your things, give me the things you do. Um, and people really, came out and turned out for it. They sent me like, I'm kind of blown away by how much trust people had in me about like giving me their, like, you know, their heart and soul, their creations. Um, yeah, it can can be difficult to give those things away. Totally. Yeah. And And it's very revealing and intimate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like so grateful that people were willing to put themselves out there and give me, give me those works that they have created. Um, because yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the same if I made all the content cause I'm only one person. I only have one perspective. Um, and I can, I'm limited in the creative things that I'm interested in and that I can do. So, um, I think it just, yeah, 
I wanted to, I want to put as many people in here as possible to just highlight the community um, because everybody's awesome. Are you curating the whole thing yourself? Like when people send you stuff, are you designing and arranging and going into production or do you have like a mini team that helps you out? I am doing it all. That is impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's just a puzzle because, you know, some things are bigger and some things are smaller. So if you find a bigger thing, then you can set it next to a smaller thing. And um, it's like, it's, it's not as difficult. And it's actually, I've been a little bit like weirded out by how well things have fit together. Like <laughs> there have been some pieces of art that have gone so well with like a piece of like a piece of writing or a poetry that like they were almost made to go together, but they were submitted by totally different people from totally, totally different places. So yeah, I've, I've been lucky that like the p things that people have sent me have just really fit, fit well together. Um, but yeah, it's mo mostly, mostly all me. The, um, the techie part of me wants to know, are you putting this together in InDesign or what, how are you arranging yes. the whole, yeah, okay. It's, it is all InDesign, yeah, which makes it super easy. I mean, I'm a super noob at InDesign. I don't really know what I'm doing aside from like clicking on stuff, dragging it and resizing it. But, right, um, it's about I where mean, I'm InDesign at. Yeah, totally. But it, it makes it pretty easy um, as long as you can get it to fit on a page. I mean, I've learned a lot about um, like print technology and paperweights and bleed and slug and all of this stuff that I had no idea about before. Um, but yeah. What's been the biggest response from people who aren't contributors, people who are just kind of digesting the zine as it were? Is it? Yeah. I've, I've gotten a fair amount of, uh, of feedback from people both in and out of the coffee community, actually have had um, a good amount of people who aren't coffee professionals who have responded to it and like saying, uh, especially like the first issue, because a lot of the first issue is art from folks in Denver, just because that's where my, um, you know, my network really lives. Um, but yeah, people have been like, oh, this is so cool because I can look in there and I can see, you know, on page whatever, Let's say, bah, bah, bah. let's say page 13, there's a, there's like a, a piece written by Emily Orendorf, who's at Boxcar Coffee Roasters. And so people have been like, oh, you know, I go to Boxcar, but I didn't know that Emily wrote or, you know, I go to Boxcar, but I didn't know who Emily was. So now I can go there and be like, hey, who are you? And, you know, so people can connect with the baristas who are like making them their drinks. Um, and then I've also like from people who aren't for people who are coffee professionals, uh, the, the biggest feedback I've gotten from them is, um, well, a lot of people have been like, Oh, I really want to submit something, but I don't have anything. Or like a lot of people are super, like, I think super stoked on it, but are like a little hesitant because they think their stuff isn't good enough or isn't professional enough or, whatever. But I just try and encourage people like, that's why I made a zine. Like a zine can literally be anything. You don't have to make it fancy. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just send me, send me all the things so I can make more books. Yeah. I think there's something really beautiful about something that's just kind of gnarly for lack of a better word or just totally. so kind of raw. It's everything can tend to be super polished in the, yeah. the digital space. And it's like, look at how perfect my existence is. And right. there's something refreshing about, Hey, this is me. Just yeah. de deal with that. So, and totally. I'm, I'm a cool person too. No yeah. big whoop. Is there totally. something that you think aside from, I mean, I could see this living in the coffee space, which it already does. I could also see it living in the, like the strictly artist space and standing mm -hmm. alone on its own. Aside from celebrating kind of like, the diversity and the character of the people that are in the coffee industry. Is there something else that you want people to get out of the experience of reading the zine? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure I've thought, I'm, I'm not sure I've been uh, 
as intentional as that. <laughs> I mostly was like, oh, there's a thing that I want to do, and my friends are telling me it's a good idea. So I guess I'll do it. Here we go. Um, yeah, I should probably be th think a little bit more about the uh, the intentionality behind it. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, aside from just, like, supporting each other and realizing how, well, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I'm kind of thinking at the same time right now that I'm speaking, but I think in, a, in our world, like, people are often reduced to one thing. People are often, you know, told, oh, you're a coffee professional, or you're a Democrat, or you're a, you know, like, a whatever. Like, people are often reduced to one label. Um, I want to, I mean, maybe this is a lofty goal, but I would hope that, that the zine is showing people that just because you're a coffee professional doesn't mean that you are only a coffee professional or, you know, just because you work in coffee doesn't mean that you're only working in coffee to support yourself through college so you can go on and have a quote real job. Um, I think that's awesome. And I, without going too far overboard and getting like way above my head, I, I think you've touched on something about just kind of labeling people or identifying them as one certain thing, because I think that happens a lot, particularly now in our political spectrum, to where instead, yeah. of, instead of talking to other people, we, we just kind of, okay, you are this kind of person, right. I, I, which takes me out of the mix from even being able to have a conversation with you, because I already know what scripted things I'm going to say to you. I already assume I know what all of your beliefs are, and I already assume I know what your whole story is, so you're just yeah. this. Yeah. And, and we don't get along because of that, and that really totally. sucks. Yeah, and I don't want that to happen, because people are so multifaceted and have so many like wants, desires, dreams, skills, talents, like that I don't like, yeah, I, I just, I hate when people are limited or when people limit me by one aspect of who I am. And then, yeah, assume so much about, about me because of that. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm riding right there with you. I feel you yeah, on man. that one. Yeah. So where, where is the zine headed? Is it going to be a quarterly thing? Is it bi-monthly? Yeah, it's quarterly. So uh, it comes out on the first day of every season. Um, so the first one came out on March 20th, and this next one came out June 21st. The next one will be September 22nd. Um, so yeah, I, I decided to do it the first day of every season, both because coffee it like as an agricultural product is a seasonal thing uh but also because coffee work especially like in the united states is often a seasonal thing like with summer tourism or like winter tourism up in the mountains in colorado or whatever um i thought that releasing it seasonally would be appropriate um to to who we are as coffee people and what coffee is uh, in general so yeah, the, every, every three months about. Do you think the thing, do you think it'll grow? Like if you keep getting more and more submissions, are you just going to keep making it bigger and bigger? Or are you going to have <laughs> to be like, all right, I got to split this into two or do a regional yeah. thing or. Yeah. I've, I've started to think about that because I had no idea when I did the first one that the second one would be literally twice as big. Um, so I've started thinking about that now in terms of the third one. And I, don't quite know exactly what I'll do. Um, I have to, I, I want to see how many submissions I get. Cause yeah, if I get like twice as many as this past one, then it'll have to be two or I'll have to start, um, you know, sifting through stuff, which I really don't want to do because the whole idea of the zine is to allow people to have an accessible platform to put out their stuff. Um, so I don't want to start being like, no, you don't get in. Um, so yeah, I'd probably break it into two or perhaps do a regional thing. Um, I also don't want it to get like super expensive because printing is like a lot more expensive than I thought it was like initially. Um, so I don't, I don't want the zine to get to a place where it's like inaccessibly expensive for folks to, to purchase either. 
Um, so yeah, that's yet to be determined. I'll see. I'll see what happens, where it goes. Yeah. I freaking what, love it. What, how people receive it. Thank you. I, I just, I love the idea. I love the, just, I don't know. When, when I got that one from you at Expo, I was like, oh yeah, this feels kind of good. And I didn't even know yeah. anything about it, but it just felt, it felt neat. Where can people, where, where do you get it? How do you get it? Yeah. So you, you can buy it on uh, my website, which is coffeepeople.org. Don't go to coffeepeople.com because that is like K-Cups. So unless you really want K-Cups, <laughs> coffeepeople.org. Yeah. Um, I'm also like pretty, um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I don't have like a selling portal on Instagram, but you can like the link to my website is on the Instagram uh, and the handle is coffee people zine spelled Z I N E. Um, so folks can check me out at both of those places. Um, but yeah, they're both issue one and issue two are available, uh, on the website. Um, there's like a little store on the website. Uh, and then in Denver, if you're in Denver or Colorado Springs, uh, you can get them at a couple different coffee shops. So Amethyst carries them. Um, Huckleberry Coffee will be carrying them. Switchback down in Colorado Springs will have them. The Molecule Effect will have them. Um, who else? I think Cimarron, actually. They're a coffee roaster over in Montrose, Colorado, which is like on the very, very, very western side of Colorado. Um, they'll have those. So if you're in Utah, that's probably the closest place you can <laughs> get them. Um, and then uh, Logan House Coffee Company, where I currently uh, roast, they will have them as well. Um, so, yeah. But the easiest way is probably on my website. If you want to order like multiples of them, people can just email me. Um, at cat, K-A-T, at coffeepeople.org. Um, I can I can do a deal if you're getting more than five. Um, so, yeah. Nice. We'll, we'll, put, we'll link that up all in the show notes, everybody. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. thanks. Dude, link, link it up. Uh, thank, you yes. for, thank you for talking to us. This has been amazing. I have one more question before, yeah. before we bounce, which brings us all the way back to the beginning of when we started talking. Do, with the uh, with the roasting, with the zine, with everything, do you ever have the desire or think about returning to that idea of doing social work at all? Not right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. Like I'm I feel like you know people say live your best life. Like I'm busy all the damn time, but I feel like I'm living a really great life. Like I I super enjoy all my roasting, my, uh, bar shifts, um, and the zine. And I also have a lovely girlfriend. Hi, Grace. Um, Hi. who's, who I sometimes get to hang out with. Um, so yeah. And like, I have a great community of people both in and outside of the coffee, um, outside of coffee in Denver that like, yeah, I, I, right now I wouldn't trade anything. I'm like, I absolutely love, I love what I'm doing and I, and I want to keep doing it. That's freaking badass. We're backing you over here in Santa Cruz. We got your back. Aww, thanks, guys. There's there is uh, one issue on your way on its way to you. Um, I'll send you a couple more. I just had um, I had some issues with with ship the shipment of uh, my zines. So we appreciate I don't that. actually have them. We're, <laughs> no we're we're easy over here. It's super chill. Cool. Well, rad. Uh, this has been the Cat and Cloud podcast. This is Cat Melheim. Did I say your last name Hello. right? You did, actually. First try. Good job. Oh, yes. I thought that was right. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody have a great day. Dude, Kat, that was, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That's so You're good. You're awesome. I, Those were really great questions. I'm sorry if I hit too hard. Some people are like, whoa, you're, at, you're, you're lobbing heavies at me. What the heck? No, that's great. I mean, you, like, you've given me things to think about. So <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, now I have to like go and make it. Because I know you guys always talk about like mission, vision, values. And that's something that I really wanted to do for this scene. But then it just like happened and I had to put it out before I got my mission, vision, values like locked down. And so I've been like, it's something that I've been thinking about for the past like six months now that I still haven't like totally put into words. 
but it's like on my mind, but I don't know the right words to make it. But so it's, you've, you've re-inspired me to focus. That's so awesome. It's kind of like an evolution sometimes. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're actually having a meeting tonight about um, our updated vision and values. And it's not even yeah. like we changed what we think, but it's we're just getting better at being able to articulate what's on our mind. Totally. It's so weird. I, I kind of think about it in the same way of just like, figuring out who you are as a person because you've been yourself all your life but sometimes at some points in my life i'm like what am i actually all about right now it's so hard for me to talk about yeah which is fucking weird but whatever well this will go out on monday cool and we'll link up all like the cool stuff and then if you want to send over you could just message me on instagram like a a Mm -hmm. picture that you feel like is great Mm-hmm. and like represents the zine and you or whatever you want to do. And then we can throw yeah. that out there too. All right. Perfect. Dude, tight. All right. Well, I'm going to get out of this weird little room and I hope you have the <laughs> best day with your rose mauling or whatever it is. Thank you. You got it right. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> yes. Appreciate you. All right. <laughs> See you later. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis.